Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Thank you, Matthew Arder. Welcome back to another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. This week, Matthew and I are joined by Summer Aiello. Great actress, funny lady, singer, dancer. She is the whole package. And uh, we had a great, great time. And I can't wait for you to meet her as well. Before we get to the show, I do want to give a shout out to a new Tutti Fruity, Trisha L. Hey, Trisha, how are you? Thank you for your support. Trisha is the latest of the small but mighty team that are supporting the show financially through Patreon. If you want more information about how you can support the show, check out the link in the show notes. And in the meantime, please join me in welcoming Trisha L. to the family. Now, on to this week. Summer Aiello joined me and Matthew in watching Season 7, Episode 9, Born Too Late. And it had an original air date of November 16th of 1985. Are you ready to jump on in? Let's face the facts with Summer Aiello. (laughs) Welcome, Summer Aiello. Thank you, David Alameda. We've already been uh, chit-chatting before uh, this actually officially began, where you and Matthew had not known each other officially, but you've been making each other's acquaintance, and uh, you guys are totally BFF besties now. That's right. I I love him. I've loved him from afar, and uh, a lot of the things I've seen him in, and I've always uh, been an admirer, a longtime admirer. Oh, the best way to love me is from afar. I will tell you <laughs> that that's how most of my relationships go. So. <laughs> and oh, I, you, my darling, I, you, if I, and me also with you, also. And thank you, and also with you. Yeah, uh, Summer, there's that? an animal attacking you right now. I, I don't know. know if you're aware of that. <laughs> She's very needy. Puppy, go on. <laughs> What's your dog's name? Poppy. Poppy the puppy. Oh, Poppy. I thought thought you said puppy and I was about to say, wow, little on the nose, honey. She was Paige's dog. Paige got her a few years ago when Paige was into trolls and named her Poppy after the pink one. Yes. And how old is Paige, your daughter now? She's 12. She's 12. My God. She'll be 13 soon. Poppy, Jesus Christ, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything better, honestly, is there anything better (laughs) in the world than puppy kiss? I just, that makes me so happy that he's just kissing your face. I I love, I love it, but it's, it becomes frantic. It it becomes, I love you. First it starts out, hey, I love you. 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 Oh God, I love it. (laughs) The more that you like push her away. Now she's judging me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we uh, are here to talk about a certain TV show 
um, called The Facts of Life. And of course, the first question we always like to ask the guest is, Summer, do you have a relationship with the show? Did you watch it in your youth? Yes, 100% I did. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Big oh. time. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad. It seems like it was a, a big deal for you. That's as it was for us. And uh, you don't need to divulge your age, but did you watch it first run or did you catch it in reruns? Um, well, I, I'm pretty sure first, I'm, I'll, I can tell my age. I'm 44. Holy shit. Uh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I know. Right. Uh, yeah. Check out this, this chest wrinkle. <laughs> <laughs> so no, uh, I'm 44. Mm -hmm. And, so and, and I'm a true kid of the eighties. I am a true kid of the eighties. Like, mm -hmm. That was my wheelhouse. I like grew up hot in that 80s pocket. All yes. of that yummy 80s goodness. I was totally into. Did you watch this one? Did, 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 did this like ring a bell with you? Do you remember watching this the first go around? Oh, oh, yes. Because um, I was a huge McKenna Aston fan. Huge. And so when he, when he joined the show, it was like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. like, I didn't think anything could make this show better, but oh, here we go. Like some fine mm -hmm. eye candy for me. Mm -hmm. So not <laughs> George Clooney, not George Clooney as much as he, um, Mackenzie. He was, no, he, George Clooney was too old for me. He was like an old, he was like, to me, he was like an old man. <laughs> <laughs> he was 24. <laughs> I know, but I was like, I was like 11 You're, years old. I was going to say, you were a child. You were still very yes. young. Yeah. Yeah, well, Mackenzie Aston, because I would buy every episode of Teen Beat, Bop, and like YM Magazine, and he would be in there. And I was like, yeah, I, lo and I loved him in this show. Well, let us get on to discussing season seven, episode nine, called Born Too Late, which had an original air date of November 16th of 1985. Now I do my little nuts and bolts here, Summer, where I say it was written by Bob Brush. That's a, sounds like a fictional character or a stage name. I don't <laughs> know, but uh, this is his first writing credit ever. And this is the only show he writes for the facts of life. He will not be returning to the series, but he would go on to write and produce various shows. And among his credits executive producer for 109 episodes of The Wonder Years. Oh, and wow. He, yeah, and he wrote some of them, but that's, you know, the, the series ran 88 to 93. It's, that's the majority of the shows. So that's a, that's a big deal in his career. And he also wrote, developed, and produced all four seasons of Early Edition. Oh, which was okay. 1996 to 2000. That's the show with Kyle Chandler where he gets the Chicago newspaper one day early and then has right. to try and stop the future or something. I never watched it, but I always thought it was a cool concept and it just never happened. It's on the pile. Yeah. Uh, but it was directed by John Boab. John is the in-house director. He directs most of the facts of life. We've talked about him at great length here. And uh, yeah. So now is the time, Summer, when I like to put my guest on the spot <laughs> and ask you if you would please provide a one to two sentence synopsis of the entire episode, similar to a listing that you might find in a TV guide. Okay. Uh, 
patooties too hot as a drama teacher leads on young boy hilarity happens <laughs> leads on young boy <laughs> you know uh, watching this episode i could only think how it would not be made today do you do you think it would um i i think it could i mean maybe. with how litigious and like how litigious and like aware everybody is now like of things like do you think like because there was such a sweet innocence to it there was nothing like ever gross about it right yeah it was always it it was a sweetly innocent thing I just the whole time I was watching it I could just I was just thinking I don't know like I don't know if it would be made in this either Mm -hmm. either it would not be made this way or it would be like it would pivot 180 and would be like um like gossip girl like it'd go all in it'd be like he's in love with Tootie so Tootie's like you know what let's just do this (laughs) you know what I mean or like or Tootie would be clueless and he would take her on what she thinks is an innocent date and they'd end up back at his place and he'd be like trying to kiss her and stuff like right yes 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 because the character of Andy has been uh, a little bit weird, especially in recent episodes where they are giving him in the name of, you know, isn't it funny comedically when a young child says a line that far exceeds their years? Right. But they're doing it with him, with girls, with here's a typical joke. He enters the girls into a, a contest to be backup singers for L. DeBarge. And uh, when he says, you guys, and they're like, why would you think we would be wanting to do this? And he's like, well, because you're, you're girls, you're not a professional group, and you all sing really well. I love hearing you sing hanging around the store or in the shower. And Blair says, yeah, Andy, and if you could stop hanging around outside the bathroom door, that would be nice. Uh, yeah. Things like that. Things like him saying, all right, your careers are going to be really big. Uh, none of you has posed for Penthouse, has you? Did he say that? That was a lie? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So we've been making jokes. Basically, the the umbrella that we've been putting him under is horny child. Yes, he's so horny in this episode. Yeah, and and this is is tame. This is tame and thank God, because with some of the stuff that they had him doing earlier, I was really worried that this could- that this could step over by modern standards and have us be really uncomfortable and cringing. And, and thankfully I don't think it really does. Do you? No, it, no, it was super, I found very sweet. I think they handled it sweetly. I think it was a sweet episode. I do, yeah. but there were little tinges of it. Yeah. You they, know, they just stepped little... a little, a little bit. Okay. Um, well, great. Well, let's get started then doing my microscopic dissection of the show. In uh, the first scene, we are in over our heads. The, the, a common question, Summer, is who is minding the store? And it's kind of astounding that everyone is minding the store in this episode. Everybody is yeah. there. Tootie and Natalie are there with Mrs. Garrett. And the B story that we're introduced to first is that Mrs. Garrett has a bird in a cage. And the bird in the cage repeatedly declares, I love you, Edna. I love you, Edna. And that's all that it says. 
and she is just oh <laughs> and and god the laugh from the audience holy shit it was it was big <laughs> laugh man so joe and blair come in and they ask what's the deal with the bird and uh we have a, a show bible moment summer and we those are few and far between where they refer to something in a previous or earlier episode that actually tracks in the longer arc of the show. She says, you know, my friend, Ted, <laughs> and typical sitcom dialogue. Yeah. How could we forget? You know, you two left each other at the altar. And she says, well, Ted sent her this bird to tell her that he's still thinking about her. That actually tracks. She met Ed. He was a high school sweetheart that they re-met up much later last season. And they almost married within a week of being. I, I remember that episode. You do? I 100% do. I remember that episode. So when she said that, I was like, oh, because first when she was like, oh, Ted. And then they said that about the leaving them at the altar. And I went, oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. She almost got married. So they That's came right. very, very close. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we're sad about that because we would have called them Tedna if we um, had them uh -oh. as a couple. That's that. You were shipping them? That, that was yeah. their ship name? <laughs> ship name? Yeah, like you're shipping them. Your relationship. Oh, David, you oh. need a teenage kid in oh, your I'm, house. <laughs> I do. I, I, did, I didn't hear the apostrophe when you said it. I'm sorry. My ears <laughs> are too old to hear that. Their yeah. ship name. I, I just say their Brangelina name. I always go to Brangelina <laughs> or um whatever. Well, that's uh, very that's very even, early 2000s. Yeah. People don't even know who Brangelina are anymore, David. Mm. I knew what you were talking about, Summer. I would like that made clear. I knew exactly what you were saying. <laughs> so Thanks, um, Matthew. could we talk about this fucking bird? <laughs> what kind of a bird is that? I don't it's know. It's a minor bird. It's a it's minor, a minor bird. bird. Okay. Yep. Clearly, I don't know my birds. A minor bird and minor <laughs> birds talk like a parakeet. Yeah, they're mimics. They can mimic things. Matthew is giving me the bird right now. <laughs> do you know that bird, David? Can yes, I do. That bird? I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm just, I'm throwing that out there. I don't trust the show that they wouldn't have put a fucking squirrel in the cage and called it a bird and assumed that we would have just believed it. Uh, okay. So good. That, that does track, but I, <laughs> I, I claim stupidity and I, I'm glad you guys know, cause I, I clearly don't <laughs> I'm clueless. Um, we do have to talk about the eighties tastic outfits in this show. Oh my God. Oh, the yeah. one outfit, uh, outfit that I am losing my mind over is Natalie with the high side ponytail. Yes. in the black shirt, the black shirt with all the geometric patterns. And she had a vest. Like it looked like a, um, like a tapestry type of a fabric yes. vest yes, with it yes, yes. and, and big dangly earrings, but the side mm -hmm. ponytail. Did you wear your hair yeah. like that? Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. And, I, and she, she had her pants were pegged cause she was sitting on the, um, she was sitting on the counter. She had mm. pegged pants and yes. high top and high top Reeboks on. Uh, yeah, I, cl I I clocked those because that entire outfit would have been something I would have worn. To school. oh, yeah, cool. Well, if you find any photos, uh, please send them. I would love to see you in basically facts of life costuming. Uh, oh, okay. You're opening up a can of worms. I'm not sure you want. 
send me three pictures, please. Okay. No three more photos. Okay. I, I request three photos. You do not need to go crazy. You uh, got them. The thing is, oftentimes in the show, we've talked about how matronly a lot of women looked in the 80s, how every teenager in the 80s looks like a 45-year-old secretary. And this is one yes. of those instances where that's the side ponytail and the vest and the earrings. I'm like, th this is almost too far the other way. To me, Natalie almost looks like she's dressing like a 12-year-old. It, it looked like something that I would have worn then. And I was about that age then. Yeah. So it, it looked like, because, but they oftentimes would put Natalie in like a sweater vest and like a tie, like a, like a little tie, like into the sweater vest often mm -hmm. and a, and a skirt ensemble, yeah. um, which I never thought was very flattering on her. I liked this outfit on her. Yeah, I love this outfit on her. It is just so funny to see her looking so youthful uh, because that yeah. is, that's not a word that really comes up very often when we're discussing the costuming on the show. There, yeah. there are times when it's like, okay, uh, Blair is basically wearing the same outfit Mrs. Garrett is wearing. Yes, in, in a different size. It's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And then Joe, Joe always had the biggest shoulder pads. Good. God, they're massive. <laughs> Good God. Well, uh, the other thing that we have to touch upon before we proceed any further, you already uh, touched upon it. Matthew has a peeve, a very, very big pet peeve. People sitting on the counter. And in this one, it's an even bigger infraction because Natalie's not just her butt on the counter. She is crisscross applesauce yeah. with both her damn shoes up there, too. Yeah. She oh, is, yeah. Natalie is on it later. The first scene, Tootie's ass is on the counter. Oh, is that, yeah. did I, yeah. I mix it up? I'm sorry. She sits up there yeah. for just a second when Andy walks in and then she slides her butt off the counter. <laughs> and that's just from all the years I spent working as a kid, like at Dairy Queen and shit. It's like, don't put your butt on the counter. What, what is wrong with you? Well, oh. I mean, and, and it's their business. It's, I, it would be different if they were like in their kitchen, right? Because mm -hmm. they're familiar, they're in a familiar space, but they're in they're in the store yeah. that sells candy and and shit, and then she's they're up there farting on the counter. <laughs> we don't know what's going on under there, Tootie. We don't know what's we, going on at that oversized. Her name's, her name's Tootie. That's <laughs> <Just> in the <laughs> name. <laughs> we know exactly what she's doing. Oh, but <laughs> thank God Andy walks in because I will say this. The level of acting that Mackenzie Aston gives us in this episode is far beyond a 12-year-old. I'm yes. sorry. Uh, agreed. His, his, okay. I was watching it with my daughter and we were watching it together. And then when he, when he, when she's like, okay, well, let me hear some of those line readings. When he, it is so hard as a good actor to be a bad actor. Right. That is exactly is. what I wrote down. I wrote down how hard it is to pretend to be a bad actor. And he did it great. He's it made so me good. laugh so hard. He was like, yes, here I will come. I will I will get knives. What do you want? <laughs> he made me laugh so hard. He is he is awesome. I thankfully of the in the 1980s, the adding of a child, the, the cousin Oliver syndrome, where mm -hmm. many a show has been ruined by this. Uh, in this case, I love him. 
as an actor, his comic timing is razor sharp and it just gets better. He hasn't even been on the show that long at this point. And and his chemistry with all of them is great. It he, is. He's so he's so comfortable. That's mm-hmm. one thing like I notice like now watching so many like kids shows, centric shows that my kid that my daughter watches like on Disney Channel or Nickelodeon. Oof. Oh, there, there are shows that the kids, the chemistry, it's fantastic. And you're like, yes, I buy this. And then there are other shows where you're like, <laughs> you're just, they're like, do you want, do, they're like him doing that line reading. Mm-hmm. Like, do you, do you want to come to store with me? We will we will see a girl there. (laughs) It's it's very cringy. That's the word that kids use nowadays. Cringy. Cringy. Oh, okay. I use that word too. I'm a kid and I didn't even know it. I know. (laughs) Well, yes, we are discussing the fact that Andy announces that he is auditioning for West Side Story at his, so it's seventh grade, right? So this is junior high school. His junior high. And he wants the part of Riff, and the intent is he wants to get closer to a girl named Mary Beth Keener, horny child Andy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so he gives a line reading, and and it is awful and and comedically brilliant. How oh, awful it's so it funny. Is. I laughed out loud, and yeah. there's no way there's no way as a kid I would have realized how funny that was. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And we've said before, you need a good actor to competently be a bad actor. You need Mm -hmm. Madeline Kahn to play Lily Von Stupp. You don't hire a bad singer. You hire a good singer who knows how to sing and can sing badly. It's it's a very different thing. Um, So Tootie, of course, Tootie is the actress. Tootie offers to coach him. And he says, oh, that's great. That's terrific. And the scene ends with her saying, well, Andy, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. And what is the music that we hear as we transition to the next scene? We hear a MIDI file. (laughs) (laughs) A MIDI karaoke track. Yes. Of just enough to give us a taste. Just enough to let us know that we don't have to pay royalties. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That just, just the teeniest amount of public domain allowed. Yeah. Well, da, the thing da, is, da, 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 that's it. That, and that's and yeah. what I love is for us, that's all we fucking needed. That was yeah. all I And the music we're talking about is a song called uh, Cool is mm-hmm. the name of the song in West Side Story. And it's boy, boy, crazy boy, crazy boy. get cool, boy. So, um. There's That's those Sondheim, amazing Sondheim lyrics that everybody fucking wets himself over. Okay. All right. <laughs> Don't you say a goddamn word against Stephen Sondheim. Leonard Bernstein was trying to write the lyrics himself and realized way too far in that he was in over his head and he hired Sondheim to come in and fix his mess. How could he come up with lyrics like, boy, boy, there's two notes there. Let's just put a one syllable word for it. Thanks, Sondheim. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so, but but they bring the melody back in for Cool, this same song. Uh, right. In the following scene, it's just your typical scene of uh, an actor coaching a non-actor and saying, well, try it this way. And he's awful. We'll try taking a physical approach. No, he's terrible. All right, let's set the scene. Let's improvise. And he's terrible. 
And at one point when she's kind of trying to set the scene and puts him up at the top of the stairs on the balcony, we, we get more. We get bottom, 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 bum, bottom, bottom, bottom. Like it's, it's a good 12 bars of it. Like it's a, they paid the royalties to Bernstein for this shit. They had to. Yeah. And yet in the credits, it does credit Arthur Lawrence. Did you notice yeah. that? I wrote that down. No. Some of the dialogue is actual dialogue from the book of West Side Story. And it says dialogue from West Side Story used with permission of Arthur Lawrence. And it's right there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, okay, looking for Bernstein. Don't see it. <laughs> That's well, weird. First of all, my issue, t- I, t- I take issue. And what, what's your I'm issue? Hoping we can spend a little bit of time talking about um, the horrible oversized productions that our middle school directors thought were appropriate (laughs) for their middle school level talent. I hope we all have a story like that. Um, But I fucking, um, when she says, now I'm coming up to the seal, I'm coming up to the roof, your worst enemy, Bernardo. (laughs) Bernardo. Who? And then she says it twice. She yeah. goes, you're riff. I'm Bernardo. Bernardo. What? <laughs> oh, Bernardo. His <laughs> physical comedy during this whole bit, like with the with the passing the knife back and forth. And, oh God. And, He's and great. The high kick. Come on. <laughs> that high kick made me laugh out loud. Yeah, he I is great. Down, I wrote down, and I'm not even bullshitting you. I wrote down Mackenzie Aston triple threat question mark because i wondered like if he was like a dancer from that move and the joke where he does the high kick and is like oh and she's like what he goes i think i pulled something i'm not sure but i think someday it will be important right yes that was a great line horny child horny child when you (laughs) when you um said about the guy that wrote this episode um i did notice um, I, I thought a lot of the jokes were quite funny. I thought in this mm-hmm. episode. So when you told me that it was the only episode that he wrote for this show, it surprised me because I, I thought, I, I thought the jokes were funny. Like I found yeah. them funny. It's just interesting that he would only write one episode. I wonder what happened there. Yeah. I wondered though, if they were funny to me because of the musical theater, like stuff like him doing yeah. that high kick. And you know what I mean? I was wondering if I, if, but I'm um, not for nothing. Just so you know, if you Google Mackenzie Aston nude, he did go full peen um, in so one you, movie. Yes. Yeah. You can see his ding ding and I'm oh. not mad at it. Uh, oh. Yum, yum. I think I texted. Oh, look at that. There Matthew found it. That's it there right there. It I'll talk so you can see it somewhere. Yep. It's Mackenzie. Wow. Yeah. Well, he definitely didn't hurt what was important to him later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that he doesn't mm-hmm. shave it. Mm. Oh, I, no, I, I thank you. Thank I would you. hit that. It's a tragedy. He's, he's straight and married with children. But uh, anyway, we do get little seedlings of Andy's infatuation. Tootie asks, do you want to keep going? And he's like, I'd rather watch you. You're amazing. Right, yes. And that thing. So Tootie says, get your coat. I'm going to take you to where you can see an actor totally committed to his character. Stallone. <laughs> do you know what movie? So in, was it um, 
was it Rambo two or what did they, what did she take one? It, it was Rambo one. Cause I was thinking, I was trying to think if I knew offhand what movie was in 1985, what was, what Stallone film it was. Well, you, when you Rambo say Rambo one. two, it was Rambo two first blood part. It was Rambo first blood part two. I, I was just going to say, when you say Rambo two, if you mean the second John Rambo movie, then you're correct. Yes. Yes. But remember, yeah. The first one is called First Blood. The second one is called Rambo, colon, First Blood Part Two. And then the third one is called Rambo Three. It's like, no, no, no. This is Rambo Two, First Blood Part Three. You got your number. They, they fucked up the sequence of the numbers. Could you stop putting colon and First Blood into the same sentence? <laughs> oh, especially when discussing Stallone. And it just made me realize when they talked about him, that man's name is Sylvester. Oh. Did you ever stop and think that? Like, <laughs> suffering, fuckatash. Fucking Sylvester. Well, I, and I think he knew that. That's why he, like, encouraged people to call him Sly, which sounds Sly. way cooler way than cooler. Sylvester. But he guys, here comes Sylvester. He's so <laughs> I'm going to get into the boxing ring with you. And he, Sylvester's gonna... got a big Rambo knife. <laughs> I got the, I got my gloves on and I'm going to squish your face. Listen, let me tell you though, I damn sure do love a Rocky movie. Yes, oh, I yeah. do. And funny that you is, mentioned that. That is a the, guilty pleasure of mine. Oh yeah. And even the new ones I hear are good. The, the Creed movies I hear are oh, really they're good. So, they're so good. Dude. <laughs> so <laughs> I have not good. seen them. I've seen some of the earlier ones, but 85 was a big year for Sly because not only did Rambo come out, uh, so did Rocky Four, uh, but Rambo came out in May. Rocky Four came out in November, and this is this is broadcasting in early November, and it came out around Thanksgiving. So Rocky Four was not out at the time of taping. Rambo absolutely was. So yes, it is the second film in the First Blood slash Rambo series. <laughs> so then the next scene, we're back in the store. Edna and how has, Natalie's ass is on the counter. This is when Natalie's yes. ass is on the counter. Oh, geez, that's upsetting. Let her rip, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Edna is waiting on a customer. You know, Edna's portion of the store is just that little counter where she sells baked goods. Mm -hmm. uh, Summer, if you recall, they all have kind of yes. different departments that they manage right. like, over our heads. Uh, and the bird is constantly repeating, I love you, Edna. I love you, Edna. And you can tell it's getting very tiresome. Mm -hmm. Andy and Tootie come in and uh, he is now in tough guy mode. Seeing the Stallone movie has worked. And so it's like, a, how was the movie? Who wants to know? And Mrs. Garrett says, but did you have fun? Was I talking to you, Red? And they're like, oh, good. He's an asshole now. Uh, but uh, Tootie is very happy. It seems like he's uh, had a breakthrough, as it were. And uh, so she goes into the kitchen to get them some hot cocoa just to get Tootie out of the scene and leave Andy with the other girls, at which point Andy reveals he loves Tootie. He says straight out, I love her. And uh, among the things he says about her, which are going to come back in a minute, Tootie is a woman of talent, passion, deep passion. She's complex and filled with burning emotion. Okay, Andy, sure. That works. And uh, oh, by the way, you know, I think it might be in the later scene when he's with Joe. At one point, somebody says you're 13 years old to him. And it's like, 
he was 12. But you know what, Matthew? In the wow. Elder Barge episode, he said he was only weeks away from being a teenager. I wonder if they're trying to play that Andy's birthday is sometime in November. I'm making a note of that and I'm going to track it. At this point, we will accept that Andy is, um, wait, no, no. Last season, he was 11. We came back from season six to season seven and he was 12. How does he turn 13 in the middle of the season? David, I will tell you, you're going to lose your mind for the episode when Tootie learns to drive because (laughs) they're implying that she is 16 when they're teaching her how to drive. And I know how you love to worry about the girls' ages. I do, because Summer, it's been all over the place, the whole series. (laughs) Summer, just that screenshot of you and that dog staring at you right in the face. (laughs) Can I help you? Can I help you? (laughs) So we do have the only moment when our A story and our B story intersect, whereby uh, the girls try to be supportive of Andy in this without being too condescending about him being in love with Tootie and all that. Uh, There's a little bit cut from syndication. Matthew will be very glad because it's sitcom lying, his least favorite thing, where he says, "Uh, does Tootie have anybody? You know, what's her status? And Blair and Joe were like, uh, she's uh, still dating this guy. Uh, yeah, his name is uh, uh, Sid. Yeah, that's the ticket. <sighs> anyway, Andy says, I'm going to ask her to the seventh grade dance right now. And so the girls look at each other when he goes into the kitchen to go ask her. And someone says, oh, why do first crushes have to be so painful? And Natalie says, well, love hurts. And then you hear, I love you, Edna. <laughs> nice laugh. It was kind of funny. And we, yeah. we, we, we came dangerously close to Mrs. Garrett just going, shut the fuck up. Oh, wouldn't that be so fun? To see? Oh, my. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, um, but uh, that, so that's the only moment uh, where A story and B story intersect. Uh, and we don't get A and B stories that often, Summer. They're still kind of slowly transitioning to that format this is still an old school sitcom it was conceived and developed in the late 70s so -hmm. it's typically one story one story everyone's involved yeah right yeah yep but tootie comes back in and they're like oh how did it go and she's like fine it's like well did you let him down easily and she's like what do you mean let him down easily well he asked you to the dance right and she goes i said yes (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. So, okay. Why, why do you think she said yes? After the commercial, we do have some additional dialogue that is cut in syndication. That kind of does help it along. It's rare. Usually the syndicated versions can find stuff to extract that you don't even notice it's not there. This is one of the rare instances where it's like, ooh, no, this would have helped clarify Tootie's motives, actually. Uh, But that's after the commercial summer. You're going to have to wait because commercial time is when we like to have a little getting to know you time with our guest. Oh, boy. If you would please give us a uh, a lovely mic tour of your life and career as a working actress in Central Florida. Uh, Let's start at the beginning. Where were you born? I was born in Winter Haven, Florida. Oh, Um, you're local. Holy shit. 
Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I, there was um, a time period between ages two and nine that I would go. Um, we did a dual, we lived in Alabama and here back and forth. My dad's job took us back and forth and my family, my family's actually from Alabama. So we would go back and mm-hmm. forth. Um, after I turned, I think it was like 10, we stayed put back in Winter Haven for the whole mm-hmm. time. Um, cool. Did you I know was, Tim Williams? Did you do any theater like down at Theater Winter Haven when you were younger? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. Shut up. Yeah. You knew a teenage Tim Williams? Tell me I more, an, tell me more. Like, did he have a car? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was in, I was in a little production called Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. with not only Tim Williams, but also Broadway Tony Award-winning actress Karen Olivo. Oh yes, and and Broadway actress Maggie Benjamin. Oh, um, mm-hmm. still more impressed with the Tim Williams um, thing. He could fart on my tongue. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up in Winter Haven. Um, I was uh, a really outgoing, very look at me type of kid. I did theater. I did, I danced. I, you know, did all of that stuff. Um, and uh, I, I got a scholarship in theater to USF. So I went to USF for school. Which um, is Tampa? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I knew something. And I got a BA in theater performance and a minor in dance. And, uh, and then I was going to move to New York, um, the summer I was graduating, it was 98. Um, well, that spring I was graduating. Uh, there were several of us in the theater department that were moving to New York, um, because, uh, just, um, a couple of years prior rent had come out and uh. that was, and that was everyone's anthem, right? Yeah. yeah. So I had driven up to New York with a friend of mine when it opened and we did the lottery and we actually got tickets and we got to sit in the front row and watch the original cast do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. We slept on the floor of a friend's studio apartment just so we could see this show. Like, you know, (laughs) and prepare yourself for the life of being an actor in New York city. (laughs) 100%. And I feel like every, I feel like every theater kid should like have an experience like that. Just, you know, it's so fun. And so like, I tell my kids all the time, like if they don't want to go to college, it's fine. Like right away um, to like, go do some fun things, like just go and and experience what you want to experience, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I was moving to New York. I decided, you know what, in the time before we leave, so we're leaving in September, I'll get a summer job. Okay. <laughs> now I, I, I grew up. Um, so I grew up in, in Winter Haven and I don't know if you guys know Angela Angel and Russell Warner. Oh yes, but of course. I met them when I was 16 years old. They came in and directed my senior play at, at the high school and they kind of like took me under their wing. They were like, Aww. you've got a lot of, you, you have so much talent. You're you're awesome. You're fun. They kind of helped mold me, helped me with audition material, um, hooked me up with Michael Karens for my first set of headshots, like all that stuff. I, I did a flat rock apl- apprenticeship. I did all this stuff to like prepare for this. Right. So I decided to get a summer job. Angela Angel got in touch with Roy Allen. This is back in the days when we just, you could call somebody and they'll hire 
yeah you, right they yeah those you, you hear about those those are long <laughs> ago days where yeah so she called Roy she called Roy Allen who was a, a show director at Universal at the time and she said hey I have this kid um she's 19 years old she's great she needs something quick to do he said you know what we got openings at this show called Nickelodeon's Game Lab we need high energy young people to just bounce around and play with the kids and yell into a microphone. So I got hired just based on that. I didn't have any audition or anything. Wow. I just got hired based on word of mouth. And I came in my first day of training. I met this uh, guy who was my trainer. His name was Mike Aiello. And he was like, I'm your trainer. And then in my head, I was like, oh, I'm going to marry him. That's so weird that he already had your last name. That's so weird. I know, isn't it crazy? I was like, well, we might as well get married. Yeah. I mean, I, I am from Alabama, so we are probably related. Who knows? But so, <laughs> uh, so from the day you from right when you first met him, you were like, this is the guy. Yeah. And I was already wow. dating this guy. I was dating like a super hot guy who later became like a famous uh rock and roll guy like he has a pretty popular band um mm -hmm. and Paul so, Stanley or Gene Simmons it was Ace actually Ace it was Freely. Ace yeah. Freely yeah yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> so um <laughs> I'm glad that didn't work out because Summer Freely doesn't roll off the tongue <laughs> I mean Summer was Freely before she got married ah giggity uh, so anyway, so I met this guy and then um, I, I, I met Mike and I just proceeded the whole first week of training to just throw myself at him like and just uh, fin I finally got him to notice me. Um, he asked me out. That was in May of 98. And I stayed. I stayed and we got engaged in November and uh, we got married the following year. And so I've been here ever since. Wow. And uh, at a time when we were first married, um, I had like most people in, in this town, like most most actors in Orlando had multiple jobs or have mm. multiple jobs. Yep. So I was working full time at Universal. I had taken over a maternity contract hunchback. So I was working like two days at at Disney. I was working five days at Universal, and then I was working nights at, at Pirates. <laughs> wow. So I was like 23 and working we insane. Had, and we had so much energy back then, didn't we? I, I think about those days now, and I'm just, I'm, I can't believe it, it even happened. I, yeah, I, the and, same and way. And I'd come home from Pirates at like 11 o'clock and be like, wow, like, awake and yeah and mike and i would stay up well you know or we'd go hang out with friends at the ale house or whatever it's so late like oh, yeah i can't believe i ever did that <laughs> <laughs> and so many many uh disney and universal roles uh then followed and nowadays i get to work with you at the horror makeup show i know and you're so cute there oh start i love it there and we work alongside and sometimes on stage with russ warner mm -hmm. your your mentor yeah. 
and the voice that announces at the beginning, ladies and gentlemen, Roy Bob, Allen. Or, that's Roy Allen. That was that's mm-hmm. still him who is now uh, Winter Park Playhouse Roy Allen, with whom uh, we've both worked. And it's like, wow, a lot of full circle uh, stuff here. Uh, that's pretty and- awesome. Well, I'm just thrilled that we got to grab you and get a few moments of your time with your busy schedule as a working actress, as a dance mom to your two teenage children, as a as a puppy mama with your dog attacking you uh, I know. on the call. So sweet. She's, just, but, she's needy. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Summer, enough about you. We've got to get back to this crisis with Andy and his crush on Tootie. Can we please get back to this, please? Please? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Are there any more Tim Williams stories before we go on? I don't. I didn't. Our paths did not cross that up. So we come back from commercial pretty much where we left off, where Tootie is coming through the store for something. Did Tootie bring in that cocoa that she said she was going to get? Did that happen? I didn't pay attention. I didn't. I didn't clock that. She yeah. came back in with cookies. She had that's Mrs. Right. Garrett. Oh, that's right. Mrs. Garrett has one job, and it's <laughs> to make cookies for this fucking shop and supply them for the thing. But here's Tootie coming out here with her cookies. <laughs> <laughs> so with the girls kind of feeling out what exactly happened with Tootie and this and why in the world she would say yes to Andy, uh, there she's like, what? It, it was fine. Like Tootie didn't think it was a big deal to say she was going to go to the dance with him. And the girls say to Tootie, from what we just got from Andy, you're his woman. And then Blair quotes what Andy had said earlier, a woman of passion and burning emotion. And Tootie's response is that crazy, impetuous, accurate kid. I thought that was a funny line. I like that. Yeah. But Tootie says she has a plan and she says by going to the dance with him, what are the other kids going to think? And I think it's Joe that says they're going to think he's the biggest stud in school. And then this is where there's a cut in the syndicated version that is very puzzling because Tootie then says Andy is vulnerable now. If I reject him, he'll be devastated. But by going to the dance with him, he'll see me in the middle of all those seventh graders. And what's he going to think? And that's when Joe says that he's the biggest stud in school. Tootie then says, no, he's going to think I'm out of place. I'm going to give him the opportunity to reject me. And he's going to come away from this whole thing feeling great. Oh, I wish we would have seen that. Yeah, that's in the full length version, but that line is not. Um, uh, So then Mrs. Garrett does say, interesting theory. I think I'd prefer the more direct approach. But then Tootie says, I've got this under control. And then they start chiding her. And that's where we come back from the little snip snip that happened where it's like, Maybe they could be a cute little couple. Yeah, maybe this could be a thing. Like they're teasing her. And then Natalie's like, don't listen to them. And as she carts Tootie out, she says, you know what? Let me talk to the paper boy. Maybe we can double. Right. I thought that was funny. I did chuckle at that. I did laugh at that line. Good line, Natalie. I laughed harder at Joe saying, come on, guys. We have better things to do than make fun of Tootie. Do you, Joe? (laughs) 
What what else you got to do? Because everybody else agreed they had nowhere to be. Yeah. You had one customer in the store all day. Uh, next scene, we're back in the living room and we're on the couch. Andy is wearing the most 80s-tastic sweater. I want it right now. I want to wear that sweater this instant, this minute, right now. If I was a wizard, I would be wearing it now. It is lavender blue and peach and gray. It's got three big horizontal patches, stripes of color, and diamonds of alternating colors, of contrasting colors, and a single line through it. It's like that 80s geometric solid color patches. Oh, God, did I love that yeah. in the day. Jeez, yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. So, uh, but he is on the living room couch testing out aftershave sense with Joe kind of getting her feedback on, you know, what's, what's the woman of today responding to on a pheromone level with all these different things. And thankfully Joe does say, well, isn't this a more of a Blair thing? And he's like, I asked her and she's got class. You're basically my second choice. Uh, so um, it's lovely though. Like you were talking about the chemistry he has with the girls as Joe is trying to be supportive, even though we have the requisite jokes of, Oh, that cologne smells like a landfill. Oh, it smells like the shitty diaper. Eh. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, Joe does say at one point, you know what? I think that's going to work. And she puts her arm around him and kind of kid brother hugs him and says, you know, I may have to date you myself. Yeah, I liked the scene. This was my favorite scene. It's, it's I love so this scene. Nice. Again, we're seeing the two strongest actors on the show. Right. And, Truly. and there's a moment, there's a moment too where you see her um you see her sort of genuinely laugh at him. Like mm -hmm. she she's really genuinely amused by his enthusiasm. His line delivery is so good here. It's like rapid fire. He's yeah. like he's so on top of his lines. Mm -hmm. It's it's their chemistry in this scene is really, really good. I really I made a note to to um, to remember that because this this was a good scene. Mm -hmm. Agreed. It's the a shame we had to end the show with this horrible scene between Mackenzie and Tootie. But that's just me. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it did sort of end it flat. Yeah, it, a little it bit. It didn't. And he even was like. His whole, his whole, the way he was, he was just like, yeah, I, I sort of realized you suck. Yeah, bye. Like he, just, <laughs> he was like, there wasn't even like, it wasn't even like, oh, I'm off to go have fun now and be a kid. Like, thank, thank you for helping me realize this. It was yeah. supposed to like, oh yeah, this is, yeah. and then it sort of, it, I don't know, it ended flat. Yeah. I'm glad we had this scene of them on the couch, though. That was a really cute, the cute scene. Yeah. yeah. And then even when Natalie comes in, of course, first thing, what does this smell? Ugh! When Natalie comes in post cologne scene, Joe leaves and we get a short little time between Natalie and Andy. Yeah. And this is where uh, he's like, so is Tootie kind of talked about uh, us and the state and our relationship? And uh there is a, a point where Natalie says, your relationship, Andy, you know, dot, dot, dot type of a thing. And the line they cut oh, out, yeah, yeah. they cut out in syndication, her saying relationship, like coming back to him. 
with that, which was also a little weird. But um, Mm -hmm. anyhow, he does say that, you know, well, we joke about the height difference. You know, Uh, she says she's afraid to wear high heels. And he's like, I wonder if I could rent some stilts. And he goes, anyway, did she say anything else? And she's like, well, you know, she joked about she didn't want to wear her hair up. And he says, yeah, I said I'd pick her up on my skateboard. Ha ha ha. And then Natalie right. says, yeah, actually, she said uh, your your 10 speed bike, but you would ride in the basket. And Andy's like, what the fucking shit? Yeah, it was a real we, abrupt. <laughs> an abrupt moment of intense drama where it's like that that was not a particularly cruel statement. It was very much in vain with the chiding that that was going on, but the, the the show quickly needed to find some drama, so that he he for some reason is offended by this thing of riding in the basket of a bicycle. How fucking dare she! <laughs> I I don't know. It's... <laughs> so Tootie comes home and she's like, "Okay, Andy, you're ready to work." And he's like, "No, I'm leaving." And as he puts on his coat, he turns back over his shoulder. I'll ride in the basket, huh? <laughs> and walks out. And then Tootie's like, what the hell was that? And Natalie says, well, I told him that thing that you said. And Tootie's like, you what? God damn it. And again, there's suddenly crisis and drama before the last scene in the entire episode. It's like, oh, okay. This was imposed and fabricated and artificial and um, disingenuous, or I I don't know, many other (laughs) words that, are synonyms for bad. Yeah. But then in the last scene, we do get back to the store. We've got to wrap up the B story of Edna and the bird. Mm-hmm. At which point this older female customer, I mean, elderly female customer comes in. And as she is admiring the bird, the bird goes, I love you, Edna. And she says, oh, how did he know my name? And Mrs. Garrett says, are you an Edna too? And she says, yes, her name is Edna Fisher. And she says, that bird is the sweetest thing. Is he for sale? And Mrs. Garrett says, "Mm, he was a gift. I I couldn't sell him. I'll fucking give him to you. Take him. Get it out. Bye-bye. Good riddance. Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. Uh, Did you recognize the actress who played uh, Edna Fisher? I did not. Matthew, did you recognize her? I recognized her as one of those actresses that's been in everything, but been in nothing. She mm-hmm. was um, she was um, Mindy's grandmother on Mork and Mindy. That was Bingo. Thing. She was on pretty much every TV show in the 70s in the guest capacity, just as a lot, a lot of one-offs of the most popular shows of the 70s. But from 1978 to 1982, she was in Mork and Mindy as Pam Dauber's grandma. That's the big role that's uh, in her imdb page uh so uh yeah and then uh we do get a little bit of an information that is a i think a potential show bible moment that is going to be destroyed at a later time Uh, summer you'll recall that andy is an orphan or at some point becomes an orphan such that cloris leachman adopts him in season eight right well we haven't heard anything we've heard mention of a mom uh, and now when Mrs. Garrett says to Tootie, have you heard from Andy? Tootie says, no, 
not since uh, he called Joe and canceled our date. I tried to call him a couple of times, but he always gets his sister to say he's not at home. Right. Yeah. And then she says the thing I can hear him breathing on the other line. <laughs> yeah, I know he's there, but it's like, oh, Andy has a sister, does he? That's interesting. Hmm. So uh, where did she go? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're still discovering these things because, like I said, I don't know the show very, very well going forward. But I, I think that it is later told uh, they're his foster parents yeah that that's what they always were so she might be the the sister like the you know the foster mm-hmm. parents daughter but anyway just just throwing that out there that we have a throwaway line that gives andy a sister and i'm not sure we ever hear about her again i will be tracking okay. that all right so Tootie is still mad at herself for making the basket comment. Mrs. Garrett is all, it was innocent. He'll understand. You'll see. And then she leaves. So Tootie is closing up the store and Andy shows up. Dressed for the dance, got a corsage in his hand. And he says, basically, I, I came by because I miss you guys. And Tootie apologizes for what she said. And he's like, no, 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 it's okay. And he says, I shouldn't have told you I liked you. I should have yearned for you in silence. And then we get some underscore music that makes it even sweeter than it already is sweet, where uh, he says, I I want you to have this. And he gives her the corsage. And uh, he does reveal that he's taking Mary Beth to the dance because he got into West Side Story, not Mm -hmm. as Riff, but as one of the thugs. So Tootie's coaching apparently helped somehow. Uh, so he says, I want you to have the corsage. And she's like, what about Mary Beth? And he says, ah, don't worry about Mary Beth. She'd rather have, She'd the, rather money. have the money. That made me laugh. And that made me laugh. Again, comic delivery. He crushes yeah. it. As far yeah. as we've yeah. had this sweet moment, sweet yeah. moment, joke breaks it. Yeah. Bravo. She'd rather have the money. Bravo, Mackenzie like, Aston. It's, it's such a little Rodney Dangerfield. Like, ugh, she'd <laughs> yes. rather have the money. Yeah. <laughs> So as the underscore music continues to swell, uh, she says, well, here, put the corsage on me so you can get close to my boobs because it's Mm -hmm. I I want to torture you, I guess. I don't know. So he does. And just you look beautiful. And she says, thank you. Um, She says something about our relationship is special to me. To be someone's first crush is such an honor. And she kisses him on the cheek. We get the ah from the audience. Mm -hmm. And then he walks out. They just share a moment, walks out and uh, applause. Music swells, fade to black. And then over the end credits, we see the two of them sitting at the dining room table, having milk and cookies like two buddy friends would do. (laughs) And that's it. That is born too late. Uh, That that brings the episode to the end. Overall thoughts, Summer, overall. I still, I, there is something still about it that is, I mean, it did have a sweet, it it is just a sweet, innocent thing to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's something about it. Like, I know the whole weird, they had to make conflict in the middle. So they made it this like, put me in the basket. How dare you? You know, I feel like that could have been, could have been a little more fleshed out the conflict. I think, 
I think they kind of put themselves in a corner when they had Tutti go, sure, I'll go to the dance with you. I mean, I'm 16 yeah. and you're and you're 12. This isn't weird at all. Like, you, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I feel like there could have been a little bit more. The conflict could have started there. I don't know. Maybe she said no. And then he gets the other girls to try to convince her to say yes. And then it maybe he's like trying really hard to get her attention in some way to say yes, yes, yes. And then and then it ends with her finally going, Andy, listen, come here, sit down with me for a second. Yeah. You know, I really, really, I, I love you as a friend and you know what I mean? And then do that, that, that whole scene later. I don't know. That would have been what I would have changed. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do have, we do send notes to the writers. We're going to send them back in our time machine. The writers are going to get notes on every episode from us. So Thank we will include so those. Yeah. I really, I'm, I really need them heard. Yeah, I need- exactly. I need to be, <laughs> I need to feel seen. Um, right. I'm thinking that the tweak, you know, trying not to, trying to think, are there any little tweaks that could have made a big difference? And maybe it could have been them saying, Tootie, he's, he's saying that he's really like, he thinks he's really in love with you. And right. Tootie could have said, well, that's the, the plan is what I, what she lays out that, um, it's, it's going to, he's going to see me and those girls going to be ridiculous. And then, uh, Tootie could have said to the girls and don't let on that. I have this plan. As far as Andy knows right now, he thinks I'm interested back. And then the reveal with Natalie would have been like, you know, oh, well, pff, you know, it's completely ridiculous. And then, you know, instead of right in the basket, huh? It would have been. You think it's ridiculous? You think I'm ridiculous? Right. Yeah. That could have been the thing that hurt. And then later have her genuinely apologize saying, I didn't want to lead you on. I didn't think you really thought that there was something here. I knew you liked me, but what did you, did you really, what were you thinking? We we're going to get married and then be like, well, no, it's like, you know, be realistic. And there is a good line. There is a good line where Andy does say, kind of like, why didn't you say something sooner? And she says, because I've been through it myself, where all yeah, the older people, line. all the grownups are saying to you, no, you're not. You're not in love with somebody. No, the feelings you are feeling right now are not real. And uh, that I think was a very hit home. Uh, uh, that was a big truth yes. that I was glad to have her say. I liked that too, because if you remember back to the first like seasons of the show, she was so little mm. and she, and she was often like, oh, that's just Judy. She's just a kid. She did yeah. like what she's saying doesn't matter. So I did like that full circle line. Yeah, I totally agree. Final thoughts, Matthew. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it just, I mean, for what it was and. But I think, and, and the music did do a lot of the heavy lifting in that final scene. And, but I, I don't know that you could describe this episode without using the word sweet. It really was sweet and its heart was 100% in the right place. Yeah, I agree. It was a sweet episode. Yeah. And, I would have thrown another level on it maybe. And at the end had to say, I can't take a white boy home to my mama. No, you know, no. that kind of thing. Oh no. Maybe brought race, brought the race card in. I would have No. Heavy hitting show. I I did I did for a hot second think that was a little daring of them for the 80s. The fact that he he didn't make any sort of a reference to 
the the racial difference or whatever right. or that, any skin I, color. I was, I was surprised. I was surprised at that. Mm-hmm. I was because that was never. I actually liked that choice mm-hmm. that Andy liked her instead of liking Blair, which would be the obvious choice because she's you know supposed to be beautiful and cultured yeah. or whatever. So I did like that. Yeah. Well, funny you say that because we have found with our straight guests that I would you say I would say pretty much for bat in a thousand that the straight men who have guested on this show are all about Joe and could give a shit about Blair. Yeah. Most straight guys yeah. are into Joe. Yeah. I asked Mike um, who his favorite one was and he said Joe. Oh, there it is. Another mm-hmm. one. And here yeah. I've created an entire character based on Blair Warner. And only to find out that straight men don't want me. Well, please. Uh, I would, I'm Natalie all day long. Uh, we love Natalie she's, so she's much. my favorite. Yes, give me a sweater vest and a ponytail. <laughs> so um, the reason I was so happy to have a theater person on here is because like when they said West Side Story as a seasoned theater person and he's like 12, I was like, ha! <laughs> so... What was the big, outrageous, ridiculous show that you had to do like in high school that you were like, okay, nobody know, knew how big this show was. And now here we are, 13 years old, putting on fucking uh, Der Fledermausen. Miss <laughs> Saigon. Right. Yeah. In, in middle school? In middle school, we did, because in high school, we did Oklahoma, which okay, can be done, sure. can be done more modestly. Yeah. Sure. Um, in sure. in middle school, though, we did the Wiz. No, all white kids. Um, oh my there god! Was, there was one black person in the performance. <laughs> no. And who did they play? Who did they play? Um, the Scarecrow. Okay. Because okay. the amount of kids that came into audition for me at American Idol that were just like, oh, I love musical theater. Oh, what shows did you? Well, we just got done doing The Wiz. Mm. I would always say to them, did your director know there's a white version of that? It's <laughs> called The right. Wiz of Oz. Like, you didn't have to it's, do The Wiz. No, it was The Wiz. And, um, and the that's kids a got, huge show. Like, The Wiz is it not was huge. small. We had a huge cast of all white people <laughs> singing, singing The Wiz. Yeah. Clap into the one on the three on Can You Feel the Love Today? Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In uh, my <laughs> senior year of high school, we did the Tea House of the August Moon. Jesus that had, Christ. That what? what school most did of you us. <laughs> it, um, I, we had a good drama program at my high school, and this was our big competition play that we took you know, sure, to, sure, sure. to states and all that stuff. It's a straight play. It's there was a musical version that that was written, but no one's ever heard of it. It never did anything. But uh, we were most of us were in yellow face playing oh. Japanese Okinawan yeah. villagers. Yeah. And I, I, yep. When I I did a, a children's theater production uh, of Aladdin and I it was not the Aladdin story that's like the story that we know the Disney version, it was yeah. a, a separate one where they like a, a, a Jafar like character, but he had a sister, an mm-hmm. evil sister. Okay. And I played her and here I was an hour before our call time, mixing up some old Texas dirt 
Oh. And Peyton myself brown. Oh. Myself brown to be an Arabian, oh. an Arabian now, lady. You can never run for office or anything because if that picture comes out, even though you're like, I, I was 12 doing what I was told, like you, you could never run for office. I was just talking about that with the boy that played Aladdin not too long ago. He, he sent me a picture of the two of us with our arms around each other. And it's, and we're standing on the stage in the way that we're backlit. It looks, it looks like blackface. Oh. Like our lips, our lips are so pink. And like, you know, around your eyes is like a little bit white and we're brown and we're brown. And we're like this. He goes, he goes, he goes, why did our parents let us do this? And I said, because our parents are from Polk County. Like it's, (laughs) this was high theater. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they didn't didn't know. know. We didn't know. They didn't I mean, we probably knew, they, but didn't know. They were thinking off. They were thinking authenticity, right? And so. But my favorite one was in high school where we did Fiddler on the Roof, and the reason it's my favorite is because I refused to audition because I actually in high school said to the director, "There are no Jewish people in this school." <laughs> I mean, of all the musicals to pick, you picked one. Okay, and so I didn't audition, but. I won't give away the time period, but you remember Coffee Talk on Saturday Night Live? Yes, yes. Mike Myers, yes. Yeah, that Linda is Rich. how people in Fort Wayne, Indiana thought that Jewish people talked. <laughs> so that production of Fiddler on the Roof was basically the Brooklyn Jew version of Fiddler on the Roof. Wow. Where they were like, literally, literally, and I'm not making it up. Oi, Anatevka, oh, don't start me. On Anatevka. Uh, it was- I hope the matchmakers are able to find a match for me. Uh, oh, was- little bird, my little hobble. Yeah. If I were a rich man, oh, it was terrible. If, if I'm oh, Linda, so Richman. Linda Richman. Linda Richman. Yeah. Terrible and delightful. But I'm one of those people, Summer, that likes to look for high school productions of musicals on YouTube and then comment like I'm Frank Rich from the New York Times. <laughs> I, I will I will say that is one thing that I I used to love Christian and I would do that as oh. well. We would send them back and forth each other. Mm-hmm. And he would be like, Mike, he would be like, Dear God, have you seen this one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he would laugh and laugh and laugh. I comment it on YouTube. Do you, does Jerry Herman know what you did to his show? <laughs> <laughs> I love well, it. Well, Summer, before we let you go, let's have a nostalgia moment. Think of a jingle or a commercial of some sort from your youth, maybe from the 80s or this time period, just completely off the top of your head when I say TV commercial jingle. What do you think? Um, My Little Pony, My Little Pony, new My Little Pony baby ponies comb their hair now mermaid ponies too oh they're splashing in the water i've got mine mine is a flutter baby (laughs) i love i loved my little pony so much my oh my god that is great i gotta find that commercial i will post it on the website um oh my god there's all sorts of ones there's like my little pony like pegasus pony my little pony unicorn but the original my little ponies there were six of them 
Um, yeah. And they talk about, they talk about like how you could just, because I distinctly remember like a girl picking one up and putting it in a bicycle basket. Like you can take them anywhere with you. Yeah. Can you tell that it like stuck with me? I was like, oh, I love those little horses. <laughs> like, oh, my little pony <laughs> made me sit up. I was like, oh, I have my little pony. And I did. Wow. I had them all, man. Did you I have the those. dancing one, which was actually just a vibrator? Just <laughs> uh, oh, no. I, or was that... I did not. I did not have that one. I think that one came like a little after. Yeah. Like I got when I aged out of the ponies. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Summer. I'm so glad I finally was able to get you on the show. This was fun. Thank you. It was so much fun. I could have talked to you guys for another hour or more. Oh, great. Well, we have future episodes and I uh, hope to have you back very, very soon. Smooches and goodbye. Bye. Bye, Bye Matthew. Bye, sweetheart. You have a Facebook friend request waiting for you. I saw it and I'm going to answer it right now. <laughs> <laughs> There you have it. That was Summer Aiello. What fun. And always fun whenever I get to work with her. It's just, uh, love that girl. Next week, we're going to be watching Season 7, Episode 10, called 321. You can watch the show ahead of time for free at dailymotion.com or on the Roku channel. I will post the link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. That is all for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening, and remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs> <laughs>